This is Limit Up, the place where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology to take your trading to the next level. Hey, traders, this is Eddie Horn from Top Step, and this is Limit Up. This is where we talk with traders, market participants, and trading psychologists to help you improve your trading. Now, today we have our co-host of the Market Forecast and former U.S. Marine, Danny Hodgman. Hey, Danny. Hey, Eddie. How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. You know, today, Danny, in this podcast, we highlight David Modell. He's the chief analyst and opportunity researcher for Portfolio Wealth Global. And David educates many traders and investors in many fields, such as bonds, futures, stocks, metals, options, and finances. Wow, Eddie, this uh, this looks like a few podcasts all rolled in one, huh? You know, I do have to say that our conversation had some excellent discussions, the discussions on what lies ahead for many of us traders, investors, and explaining the hows and whys for his insights and ideas. I myself love to hear market direction discussions and uh, the reasons behind it. Looking forward to hearing what David's got to say. All right. You ready for David? Absolutely. As they say in the Marines, hoorah. Hoorah. Great. Now, if you can, pull out your notepads, sharpen your pencils, sit back and absorb some education from Portfolio Wealth Global's David Modell. David Modell proudly serves as Chief Analyst and Opportunity Researcher for PortfolioWealthGlobal.com. David is also active on multiple social media platforms with tens of thousands of followers on YouTube, Twitter, StockTwits, and other popular sites. His YouTube channel educates and informs a loyal crowd of followers on topics ranging from cryptocurrencies to stocks, options, precious metals, bonds, futures, and other areas of finance. Would you please welcome David Modell? David, how are you? Good, sir. I'm a fan, and I feel very privileged to be speaking with you today. You know, likewise, I am a fan too, and oh. I think that's that's what brought us together. Oh, <laughs> let me wipe the tear from my eye. Um, you're like the complete package here. You've got a grasp on a lot of aspects of the financial world. Yeah, I, I do try to cover it all. Uh, I am the chief researcher at PortfolioWealthGlobal.com, and I, I cover bonds, gold, uh, the U.S. dollar, the stock market, uh, small caps, large caps, dividend investing, real estate. So I, I do try to cover it all. One thing I I was impressed about is how you diversify yourself with a lot. Now, David, for our, our listeners out there, please explain your position and what you're going to help us with today. Yeah. Well, again, my name is David Modell, and I'm a researcher. And today I'd like to cover as much as possible. We could talk about the economy, the macro environment, uh, the stock market, bonds, the dollar precious metals, and more, because I want your listeners to be better prepared. And that's the key word, I think, today. The theme will be preparation and positioning themselves for what's coming. My God, what, what is coming? You know, hmm. in 2018, uh, we had a lot of excited traders, and uh, the excitement was volatility. Yeah, mm -hmm. always asking, you know, how long is this going to last? Coming into 2019, we saw sort of a drop off, but now it's picking back up. We're seeing the markets active again. And as far as volatility goes, you know, we've seen this. What do you feel about the likelihood of a recession in 2019? 
Uh-oh, the big R-word, recession. <laughs> well, uh, look, a recession is definitely a possibility in 2019, and there are a number of reasons for that. This is an old bull market, first of all. Uh, there's a trade war going on, in case you haven't noticed. Uh, there's the fear of an economic slowdown. That's globally. And also there's a potential for a yield curve inversion. And that's where the two-year U.S. Treasury yield actually goes higher than the 10-year Treasury yield. And we're very close to that happening right now. I'm not saying that people need to get out of stocks completely because stocks are still one of the best investment classes out there. Stocks pay a dividend. Their earnings per share grow typically at 8 to 10% per year. And bonds certainly don't yield 8 to 10%. Mm -hmm. Federal Reserve is now changing its view on the markets and is now willing to not raise rates anymore and also to let the markets keep on running. And if there's a trade deal, there's a chance for stocks to run much higher. But still, the message is caution is always advised. I recommend being very selective when it comes to stock allocations, always. Now, David, you mentioned the Fed, our good friends, mm -hmm. the Fed. Yeah. Now, they hit rates four times, 2018, coming into 2019. The question is, how far can we trust them? I shouldn't say trust, mm -hmm. but how far should we believe uh, what they're telling us? Wait, maybe I shouldn't even say that. Um <laughs> How many times do you think they're going to hit rates this year? Yeah. You, you remember when uh, Jerome Powell, Jay Powell, said it was going to be four, and then he changed it to two. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there are no rate hikes at all and even a rate cut. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. First of all, Jerome Powell likes – he wants to keep his job, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, and Trump has been pressuring him. Uh, in case you haven't noticed, President Trump, he's, he's a little bit vocal uh, with his opinions, and he's not afraid to tell it like it is. Uh, for better or for worse. And he's been letting uh, Jerome Powell know that he is not interested in sharing responsibility with the Fed for a uh, market meltdown. And so uh, what needs to happen is that if uh, Jay Powell wants to retain his job and not be responsible for a market, a full-on market crash uh, beyond the 20% uh, correction or bear market we saw in quarter four of 2018, if he wants to keep the current rally that we've seen in the last week and a half going, then he's going to have to slow down, take it easy. Uh, yeah, I actually see at the very least no rate hikes and possibly rate cuts going into 2019, uh, which should possibly continue the bull market a little bit longer with even a melt up. Because remember, bull markets die with euphoria. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, they bull markets die when every last investor, usually retail investors, have gotten in at very high prices. And that market melt up needs to happen before the bull market can finally die a proper death. Is there going to be a recession in 2019? No one knows for sure, but I believe that they can have that last gasp. And that's what I'm looking for. And so I'm still in stocks. But again, being cautionary, having some precious metals and diversifying, which we can definitely talk about. Talking about cutting rates, mm -hmm. just going through last year, you know, we had a little fun with it. You know, um, what are the odds that they're going to raise rates this time? I mean, I was calling my bookie <laughs> and, uh, you know, finding out the, the odds from Vegas. But now, you know, you're talking, I mean, they're shutting the machine down. They're, they're turning it off and even maybe putting it in reverse. Uh, mm -hmm. What do you think market reaction is going to be? Yeah, it's, it's going to be that huge euphoric 
melt up that I was alluding to. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, interest rates are, are going to remain low. Around, you remember when they got up to 3%, like that's a big deal. Uh, I remember, and I'm sure you remember when we were kids, and it was entirely possible to invest safely in bonds and get that 5% or greater yield. You know, those days are over. So now it went up to 3%. People freaked out. Uh, Jerome Powell and President Trump saw what happens when you try to raise rates in this environment when we've we're so accustomed we're drunk on the punch bowl <laughs> of uh, okay. of zero and uh, you know negative even interest rates around the world uh, so they're not going to take the punch bowl away right now so you've got to be aware that this market can still go up. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to be one of these people that sounds the alarm and every year, year after year is predicting that a recession will definitely happen this year. No, it doesn't always work like that. And bull markets don't die of old age. But on the other hand, we do have P.E. ratios in many of the large caps a little too high for my taste. So you've got to still you don't have to, but I still have some stock allocations, and we'll talk about how I diversify, but I'm also uh, diversifying into precious metals, uh, and I'm certainly not getting into bonds right now. We can talk about how toxic those are, but what would happen if any good news takes place right now, if, the, if there's a trade deal? Uh, we saw what happened just a few days ago uh, when Trump signal that there might be a trade deal or that he's confident there's a trade deal, the market was euphoric on that day. So if there's actually some real catalysts such as a trade deal, such as uh, interest rates being not raised or cut, then uh, that could be the last gasp for this bull market, but it could be huge. Stocks really could melt up. Okay. I'm going to put on the table that word that we call inflation. Mm -hmm. And um you know, inflation right now, what are the drivers of inflation and how bad is inflation going to get? I'm a little worried about this. Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I have no doubt that inflation is going to get worse. Um, the main drivers right now and throughout 2019 is going to be rising wages. And the other one, which we touched on, is low interest rates. Uh, according to the Economic Policy Institute, 5.3 million workers in 20 states are going to see their pay rates increase as a result of a number of minimum wage hikes that are taking effect this year. And this will inevitably result in products and services costing more. That's how it works. No matter what, mm -hmm. no matter what side of the debate you're on, that is going to happen because that's how it works. And that's going to be a driver of inflation. Uh, the other driver of inflation is low interest rates. So as I suggested that Jerome Powell and Trump don't want to be responsible for a full-on market crash. So they have no reason, no motivation to continue raising interest rates. Again, we saw what happened when they tried to go for 3% and the S&P 500 went into a brief bear market there, 20% down. So either way, interest rates are going to remain low. This will send inflation higher. It's the perfect environment to start accumulating gold. And if you want some leverage on that, gold mining stocks which tend to do well in times of low interest rates and high inflation. And if you're going to pick and choose gold mining companies, because those are more sophisticated investments, uh, you really have to have the research behind you, which is what I do and what we do, the team does at Portfolio Wealth Global. Uh, so we're going to put out some reports. We'll mention them, them at the end of this podcast, if it's okay with you, uh, that awesome. people can yeah, people can avail themselves of and know how to pick out those uh, mining stocks, for example, and other investments 
that they can get into to prepare themselves and position themselves for what's coming in 2019. All right. And I tell you, having somebody that can at least give you an insight, yeah. backing it up with, with fact, and I appreciate you sort of putting that up front. Now, right. one of the things I do uh, with my podcast is I definitely filter all the news I can regarding financial industry. Yeah. One of the things I see are articles again and again talking about the markets crashing again. What's your thoughts and what do you think is behind this? Yeah, it's a great question. Well, the S&P 500 did technically enter into a bear market uh, from September 20 to December 24. That was a terrible day for the markets. Christmas Eve. Isn't that cruel? The markets can be just heartless sometimes. Um, yeah. yeah, but that's how it is. Uh, so yeah, it dropped 20%, uh, mostly due to the trade war, government shutdown, problems in, problems in Europe, fear of an economic slowdown, uh, earnings misses from JP Morgan, FedEx, Apple, other top names. So basically, after a calm, super calm and bullish 2017, where the VIX stayed below 10 most of the time, there was a repricing of stocks to meet the expectations going forward for 2019. And this miniature bear market, I think it was kind of overdone. And as expected, the S&P 500 has retraced nearly half of the correction already. So we have to keep in mind that most of the trading on Wall Street is not done by you. It's not done by me. It's done by algos, computers. Yeah. Mm. So for retail investors, a 20% drop means getting scared, selling off your stocks for a big loss. But for the institutional investors, the algos, the computers, it means buying the dip. And they're already profiting from that. And the fact is that re retail investors are super cautious, and yet the floor is not dropping out from under the stock market, at least not right now. Uh, and besides, markets can stay irrational longer than investors can stay solvent. No, I didn't make that up. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the <laughs> bull markets can be stubbornly persistent. Uh, and I believe that actually right now is a, it's an okay time to be optimistic, but again, cautiously optimistic. Uh, the markets are just looking for an excuse to go higher. Mm. And all it takes is some positive political news. And we could see, I believe we are going to see some sort of huge relief rally to end this bull market finally. And it'll probably happen in 2019. Okay. Uh, you mentioned algos. Mm -hmm. What's your take on algos? Versus Joe Trader. It, it always seems like algos are compared to uh, a disadvantage. You know, they've always got the advantage. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they're much quicker. Um, obviously, they're running on programs. Um, they don't need to take a break. They yeah. don't need to have a coffee. They don't need to go to lunch. Mm -hmm. They don't need to call in sick. Yep. Do you think that we will ever see a fair playing field with as I mentioned, algos versus Joe Trader. Well, you haven't even mentioned all the advantages that algos have over people. They beat people. Computers beat people 90% of the time. Uh, as you alluded to, mm -hmm. uh, they are quicker. Uh, they get the news faster. Most uh, average Joe and average Jane traders don't have a Bloomberg terminal for 30 grand a year <laughs> that they can use to get the news right. before everybody else. Um, and also, algos are unemotional. And so uh, they set their, their mathematical, they set their levels and they buy low and they sell high. Whereas people 
especially retail traders are very emotional typically, and they have a tendency to sell at the bottom and buy near the top because green candles are very inviting looking. They're pretty. <laughs> red can't. Red is scary. Red is the color of blood. <laughs> and so people, they, they see several big red candles in a row on those charts, and they want to do the worst thing possible, which is sell or go short. Oh my goodness. Yes. So uh, also, algos know how to, uh, well, for, uh, put it this way. People tend to put their stop losses at round numbers, ending with zeros, or at the 200-day moving average, or at the 50-day moving average. That's where they put their stop losses. And the algorithms know that. And so they love to take out people's stops, and they'll knock people out of the market. And did you ever get that feeling, Eddie, where it feels like they're almost watching you uh, when you sell at the wrong time or buy at the wrong time? <laughs> you know what? I know they are watching me. I know for a fact they're, they're watching me even when I go home. Um, exactly what you're talking about. And, uh, you, you know, that can really set a trader off track. Yeah. Uh, it can blow confidence. And it, it's always like, oh, it knew where my stop was. Mm. You know, it, it, it really didn't. But uh, if It'll make you feel better. Yes, it did. Bastards. You know, <laughs> yep, um, yep. exactly. And I, I recommend that people, for one thing, you don't have to put your stops at such obvious points, like numbers ending with multiple zeros or any zeros, uh, or at the 200-day moving average. And you also don't have to buy at those obvious places. Uh, you don't have to buy exactly at the lower Bollinger Band, set on the standard, standard settings that everybody's using, or, or at the 14-period RSI, that kind of thing. Try to be a little bit less predictable. <laughs> Don't make yourself such an easy target. Um, and to your question about whether people can get an edge over the algos, uh, you can if you learn how to buy uh, under the radar companies, underappreciated, uh, oversold, um, but good companies. So when companies are under the radar, you're buying uh, into companies that have solid revenues, solid visionary leadership. Uh, and yet are not in the headlines. They're not in the mainstream media. And so not everybody's talking about them yet. If you just buy companies that everybody's talking about, uh, yeah, that you're, you're late to the party, uh, which you don't want to be. So uh, you can outperform. It is possible, but you have to learn to think differently. Uh, and, and that's why at the newsletter where, and the website where I'm working at, Portfolio Wealth Global, we specifically have a team of researchers that look for those under-the-radar opportunities, and we, we try to bring them to people. Awesome. All right. Um, promise me that you're going to get us in detail a little later about that. Yeah, will do. Okay, good. All right. Now, <laughs> good. Now, David, in the uh, light of market risks mm -hmm. uh, that uh, you know, you're seeing, where can growth and safety-minded investors, uh, traders, get consistent yield and persistent earnings? I mean, this is like the... Uh, the answer to where is the holy grail? Yeah, uh, the holy grail. Consistent earnings. I mean, that's what it's all about for me. I'm not trying to make those home runs uh, that, that so many people do. Um, I, I've spoken to people who, who want to make so much money overnight, but I'd rather get consistent yield. And I am going to be safety-minded as well as growth-minded. So I stick to what I know, what I'm good at, um, which, for example, uh, dividend investing, uh, that's a great way to get consistent yield. Right now, I'm looking at Starbucks, I'm looking at Walgreens, uh, dividend earners, as I call them. And you know, look, even in the most challenging market environments, dividend investing is a great way to get that consistent yield and minimize your risk, because this is a strategy that's worked for over a century. 
these dividend stocks, especially the ones that I call the dividend kings or aristocrats, the ones who raise their dividends every year for 25 or more years, Coca-Cola, Johnson & Johnson, Procter & Gamble, think, think of those companies. Uh, and there's a list of around 50 companies that have done that. You can Google that easily enough. That's a testament to their management, to their product loyalty, their competitive moat or advantage. No matter what's going on in the economy, no matter who the president is or where the interest rates are at, these are companies that continue to reward their shareholders year after year. And I look for these stocks. I, I talked about under the radar, but I look for these stocks when they're really cheap, when no one else is bullish on them. Uh, these companies show respect for shareholders. They reward them with the dividend payments, uh, which you can collect while you're waiting for the stock to go back up. Uh, they demonstrate longevity just by being in, in existence for such a long time. And you get to be like Warren, <laughs> And I'm talking about Warren Buffett, of course. I like to be like Warren. I like to be like Charlie, his buddy, sure. Charlie Munger. You're leveraging the magic of compounding as well when you reinvest those dividends. People who outperform the markets are people who reinvest those dividends year after year after year and build their wealth like Buffett and Munger do. Um, and so dividend investing is huge. It's a great way to get that yield. Just keep looking for those unappreciated stocks that show respect to their shareholders, you'll do okay over time. What's a good way to find those? Where where can we start? I'm somebody that's listening to this podcast and, uh, oh, David said that. Where do I go? Where's the line start? <laughs> well, you never do something because David said this. <laughs> you always want to make your own decisions, of course. Uh, but yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we do have a report on that, uh, portfoliowealthglobal.com forward slash dividend, D-I-V-I-D-E-N-D. It's a whole page of articles on and reports uh, that people can download on dividend investing. Also, uh, go ahead and Google, you know, the dividend aristocrats, dividend kings. Uh, there are lists out, out there and you can start with the basics. You can start with your Coca-Colas, your Johnson & Johnsons, your Procter & Gamble's. Uh, then you can move on to something more you know, recent like Starbucks or Walgreens. Uh, not too recent, okay? <laughs> you still want that longevity. You still want to have uh, those dividend kings that have been rewarding shareholders year after year, raising their dividends year after year, uh, decade after decade. That That's a huge sign for me, but that's a great place to start. Okay, cool. Appreciate that. Now, we talk about uh, many markets and uh, the knowledge that you have with uh, much of the topics here in the financial industry. I want to ask you about a portfolio. Portfolio yep. diversification. Yep. How important is it for diversity? Well, there's nothing wrong with getting those home runs if the market gives it to you. And sometimes the market mm -hmm. gives it to me. I'm okay with that. Uh, if uh, Mr. or Mrs. Market, not sure which one, <laughs> is going to give me a gift, I'm going to take it. But yes, uh, we are. I, I like really like what you said about that, about getting those singles and doubles and triples, which add up over time, and then reinvesting those the dividend payments and your profits. And that's how you become the next uh, Charlie Munger or Warren Buffett. And diversification is so essential in this uncertain market environment. I mean, the last thing you want to do is over-allocate in any one asset class, or as, as you put it, put all your eggs in one basket. Uh, so I do have stocks, but I like to mix it up with precious metals. I'm a huge fan of that. Uh, and some alternative forms of income, uh, such as real estate investments, uh, private money lending is a big one as well. Uh, we'll talk about real estate first, if you want. Uh, real estate prices are becoming more attractive right now. It's true. Uh, but it's not for everybody because it requires a certain amount of industry knowledge as well as startup capital. I don't know if you've gotten uh, deeply into real estate, Eddie, but I'm sure you know that you have to learn about uh, building and land prices, regulations, 
legal considerations. Uh, you have to be a handyman or handy lady. <laughs> you have to learn how to fix up a property or at least uh, know what you're doing if you pay somebody to fix it up. Uh, roofing, plumbing, mm-hmm. drywall, it just doesn't end. <laughs> so uh, that's something to think about. Yeah. No, yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's you know, you get one thing fixed and it, you sit your ass down on the couch and before you know it, yep. um, hey, uh, <laughs> this needs to be fixed. So yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a never ending task. It's never ending. Uh, So real estate investing is not easy, but it can be very profitable, uh, especially if real estate prices come down more, which I'd like to see happen first before I get in uh, more deeply. Um, Another one is private money lending is another way to diversify. It's easier now than it ever has been because of the online uh, peer-to-peer lending platforms, Lending Mm -hmm. Club, Prosper, Upstart, Funding Circle. Um, uh, with Lending Club, for example, they say that you can expect returns of between three to eight percent per year. I mean, hey, better than bonds, right? Uh, and it's it's a really passive way uh, to get income on a regular basis, but that has risks as well—risks of uh, default, for example, on the loan. Uh, but overall, it, it tends to compare well to other types of investments. Um, so, uh, what I like to do, actually, if I can share just a. a diversification structure that I've been using and that has worked well for a number of investors. And you have to tailor this to your own needs. Okay. This is not one size fits all, but one way to go, uh, for example, would be to put, let's say five to 10% of your portfolio into precious metals, gold, silver. Uh, don't forget platinum, palladium They're They're also uh, major players, uh, and highly profitable, uh, 30 to let's say 30 to 40% in stocks, uh, another 30 to 40% in uh, other income strategies such as real estate, which could be owning your own home, purchasing long-term rentals, that kind of thing, um, uh, and private money lending, as I spoke about, and other alternatives. Uh, and then 5 to 10% in cash. Uh, and it doesn't have to be exactly cash. It could be short-term treasuries, short-term CDs, uh, money market accounts, and so on. Um, so that's a diversification structure or mix. That includes a market crash hedge in the form of precious metals and a little bit of cash uh, and a reasonable mix of stocks and real estate, private money lending and so on for steady income because uh, you don't want to be out of the markets completely uh, and some dry powder. That's the cash and cash uh, equivalents uh, for times when you want to make more purchases when prices get low in other areas. Uh, but again, keep in mind, these percentages need to be adjusted to your needs. And as we get uh, closer to retirement, you may want to go a little bit uh, less risk on. Uh, For example, you may want to pull a little bit out of stocks and real estate and that kind of thing and more into the precious metals and or cash equivalents. Now, David, you mentioned metals. I love my gold. Um, Mm -hmm. I love to trade gold, but recently it hasn't really given me the opportunity like it previously did. Now, we've got the volatility. Market movement it isn't just happening. No real direction, except for being, you, know, you always hear the term, gold is a safe haven. I, you, know, you mentioned that earlier, too. Are there any other markets that uh, would coincide with your direction in gold? Yeah, that's a great question. We've got the gold to silver ratio right now at 83.5. Uh, that's a huge opportunity in silver right now. Uh, a very simple thing that every investor, precious metals or not, should do at least several times a year is check that gold to silver ratio. Uh, this ratio tells tells you how many ounces of silver it would take to purchase one ounce of gold. 
Uh, in other words, it's the price of gold divided by the price of silver. So the average reading for the gold to silver ratio is around 50. That's normal. Uh, and when the ratio goes above 80, like it is now, this means that gold is much more expensive than silver. And this has only happened, getting these to these extreme levels, it's only happened four times since 1971, when the US government took the dollar off of the gold standard. Uh, and every single time this happens, mean reversion has kicked in, and the ratio has gone back to a much more reasonable level, which means that silver tends to outperform. Uh, so uh, if people are wondering how it got this way, how the gold to silver ratio got so out of whack, uh, a lot of it has to do with countries like China, Russia, India buying massive and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Do they know something we don't? Are they anticipating some mm. global political turbulence? I don't know. That's for you to decide. But uh, in any case, right now, silver is 66% cheaper than it was 37 years ago. No other commodity is this cheap. Really? Yeah, yeah. And I could see the ratio returning uh, back to the norm, uh, at least to the 40 to 1 or 50 to 1 range, which means that silver could realistically trade above $30 per ounce. I could see that happening. I could see it happening within the next 14 months. Um, and if you're looking for leverage on that, you could even consider the silver miners. Uh, but as I always say, uh, you know, miners are a more sophisticated investment, very profitable if you do it the right way. So please pick and choose your companies carefully. But silver is gold's more volatile little brother, and the miners are even more volatile than that. But if you can handle a little bit more risk, then the rewards can be huge. All right, David, we're at a party and we had a few drinks and uh, you're telling me what you do for a living. I tell you what I do. David, what do you what do you think? You know, um, you know. <laughs> Palladium, platinum, gold, silver. Uh, you know, I just got a little inheritance, got a little money in the bank. Um, mm -hmm. Which one should I step up with? Mm. You know, d you can diversify not only in your overall portfolio, but you can diversify within your precious metals allocations as well. I'm liking silver right now, but that doesn't mean don't old, own gold, uh, palladium, platinum, all those. Uh, so it's okay to have some of each, although uh, that's a lot of work and a lot of research to research all of those mm. uh, precious metals. If you want to start simple and cheap, just go with silver. Silver is super cheap, uh, compared, especially compared to platinum, palladium, and gold. And if, if you don't necessarily want to hold the physical stuff, I mean, I do, uh, because you know if you know what really hits the fan, then you want to have some of that physical stuff. Uh, but it's okay to just get in. You can get into the uh, the miners. Uh, that's a really simple way to get in and get out just on your Robinhood account, E-Trade account, whatever you have. So I, I would probably just start simple. Start with uh, silver and gold and then work up to, uh, you know, the more complex uh, ways to play it. You know, one of the things I uh, didn't hear you mention was copper. And I was talking yeah. to a uh, metal trader and he mm -hmm. says, you know what, watch copper because you'll know where the economy is going. Now, yeah. is it true that copper is probably the most used metal? So uh, when we do see the price of copper go up, the economy is moving, manufacturing is progressing. Yeah. Is, that a, is that sort of a hand-in-hand -hand true statement? Yeah, it tends to happen over time, but there's a lag. So if you see copper outperforming, does that mean uh, that this year uh, the, the stock market's going to go up? It, it doesn't always work like that. So I, I wish it were that simple. Here's a problem with things like that. If that were so consistent, 
then not only would you know it and I know it, but everybody would know it. And then it wouldn't work anymore. <laughs> so yeah, no, but okay. when copper is strong, that's usually a, a good sign. That's kind of like when people look at the transports, you know, the Dow theory, they're, mm-hmm. they're looking at the industrials and the transports. When those are strong, the economy's strong. But again, there's a lag there and it's hard to time it. So I wouldn't necessarily try to time it with copper, uh, but that is a good sign. It's it's one indicator among many. Okay, cool. Just checking on that. Now, yeah. earlier yeah. you mentioned uh, our, our loving market, the bonds, and mm-hmm. um, you have a report, did a little research, you have a report on the U.S. bonds being toxic. Now, mm. for those that don't know, toxic assets are assets that become illiquid when the secondary market for buying and selling disappears, okay? Right. Um, if you can, U.S. bonds being toxic, Dave, can, can you please explain? Yeah, toxic is such a strong word, but it's so appropriate for bonds, <laughs> Uh, the the agreement, the debt agreement between us and the government. Hmm. You mean, are, are you trying to tell me, Eddie, that it's possible that we can't trust the government to repay its debts? Hmm. hmm. What? <laughs> uh, look, it, it, right now is a terrible time to own bonds. Um, treasuries are considered a risk-free yield, but I look them. I look at them as yield-free risk. All right. And in the environment we're entering right now, uh, both the bond prices and the coupon payments that they pay are going to erode by higher inflation rates, which I talked about. Uh, Rising inflation is very destructive to bonds and it's going to kill your fixed income portfolio. And if you're getting closer to retirement age, that effect is even worse. Now, nominally, your coupon payments will stay the same with, with each passing year. That's true. However, if inflation is creeping higher, uh, which I believe it is and will be, then every year your purchasing power will be decreased. In other words, the real yield of your bonds will be decreased by inflation. Uh, So I believe that bonds are in danger of suffering major losses. And even if you don't own bonds, don't tune this out. This is going to affect you as well. It affects your stocks in a big way. There is clear historical data on alternative high-yield investments to replace that bond income in times of rising inflation. You don't have to stay in bonds to get that consistent and fairly safe risk. There's always risk out there, but you want to minimize that and get that consistent return, those singles and doubles that we've been talking about. Uh, So we have a report, portfoliowealthglobal.com forward slash bonds. That's forward slash bonds, B-O-N-D-S. That's where we talk about alternative investment uh, opportunities that are yielding 8 to 12%. I'll give you an example right now. MLPs, Master Limited Partnerships. You don't. You won't even want to own bonds if you're aware of how to invest in the MLPs. These are tax-advantaged and yield-oriented, publicly traded U.S. infrastructure assets. Uh, they're mostly in the oil and gas industry, uh, but they are surprisingly diversified. Um, look, it's a great time to move out of bonds into these kinds of high-yield or better-yielding plays like MLPs, and we do mention those in the report. David, uh, now, the U.S.-China trade deal. Is there a trade deal on the horizon? Is it going to happen? Or, And if it does and if it doesn't, what can investors expect from this? I, I got to be honest, I'm not shopping at Macy's, but mm. I am shopping at Walmart. And I, I do go to the dollar store. And I'm going to say, gosh, a high percentage of those products, I mean, you flip them over, made in China, made in China, made in China. I mean, 
is this coming to a head where we're going to see uh, the dollar store change its name to the $2 store? Mm. This is something a lot of us take for granted. We know where to go for the cheap product. Yeah. What's your take on this? There's no shame in shopping at the dollar store, by the way. <laughs> I love me no. some I love me some dollar store. Um, but I believe the dollar store will become the $2 store and the $5 store because of inflation, uh, as we already talked about, uh, not because of uh, anything going on between us and China, at least right now. Uh, look, there's been a lot of okay. posturing on both sides, uh, US and China. But ultimately, with $350 billion worth of goods already subjected to steep, steep tariffs already, a trade deal would relieve a great deal of pressure on both sides. Uh, President Trump and Chinese President Xi Jinping already agreed on December 1st to a three-month truce. And the next round of negotiations, according to Chinese officials, are expected to take place uh, January 30 and 31st in Washington. And uh, Trump himself said that a trade deal with China is likely. And what happened when he said that? Well, the stock market went up just from him saying that. Uh, So once an actual trade deal is inked, there's going to be absolute euphoria uh, and a stock market bubble, that final melt up in this bull market. Um, And this is one of the reasons that I'm not 100% out of the stock market. But Again, that doesn't mean we should overinvest in stocks either. We still have to be ready for anything. We have to hedge our bets accordingly. Look, this uh, trade war is not going to last forever. It will come to an end, but it could go on for a while. We have to prepare for whatever happens. We talked about diversification. We talked about research, how important it is. Know what you own and be careful out there. All right. And just what you said, those that last sentence, know what you own and yeah. be careful out there. Uh, you're the boss. You're the one pushing the buttons. You should be careful. Yep, absolutely. No, it, it's because no one is going to care about your money than you do. All right. <laughs> sure. uh, even Eddie, Eddie cares about your money, but even he's not going to care about your money as much as you do. <laughs> so, right. See, you, I'll, you, I'll care about your money if you owe me money. That's <laughs> what I need to care about it. You got money, you got to pay me. Where's my $5? Right. All right. Now, Let's move on to other topics that we can discuss, Dave. Uh, Now, with the many topics that uh, Portfolio Wealth Global talks about, what are some of those that we need with our everyday trading? Yeah, uh, great question. I fully believe that it's important for your everyday trading, for everybody's trading, to wait until stocks are down before jumping into the trade. I tell this to people over and over. They don't always listen. Uh, but look, the biggest gains come from buying stocks that are undervalued. There are three unders, under the radar, undervalued, and underappreciated. <laughs> if you get all three of those, you're good. All right. Uh, but only in great companies that you've researched thoroughly, which is what I do. Uh, the idea is to profit from mispricings in the markets before the stock price catches up to its intrinsic value, the company's intrinsic value. I love those mispricings. I love it when the market gets it wrong on a great company. Uh, And actually, the best time to buy was in 2009, 2010, when nobody wanted to buy, uh, which is what we did. Um, We sent out a lot of alerts at that time. Some of our biggest gainers were Intel. We're up over 400% on that. Uh, 3M, big names, Stanley Black & Decker, uh, some smaller names as well. And of course, we diversified, uh, which made it much easier for us to ride out those downturns in the market. Uh, So even in a late cycle bull market, there are still bargains to be had, though. Um, You just have to do the research and find them. Uh, And so we take that research and we present it to traders and investors 
so they can maximize their own returns. And so for everyday traders, you actually have a chance against those algos, those computers. You don't have to be a statistic. You don't have to be part of the 90% that fail at trading. Fail at trading. One of the things that we try to at least put it in a positive perspective is you learn from the failures. Okay. Um, you know, like I mentioned, we've got our, our trader community here and I encourage traders to talk about failures, investment failures, trading failures, yeah. uh, mistakes, right? Because as, as we share these, I can learn from David. David could learn from me. One of the things I know that uh, when you're investing and when you're putting bigger money on, you really do not want to see that word failure or loser or such. But sometimes we could play off that to our benefits. So I just wanted to sort of add that in there. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't have to go it alone. Uh, even if I'm not your mentor, I would say get a mentor. Uh, it could be Eddie. <laughs> he could be one of your mentors, should be. Uh, you don't have to go it alone when it comes to trading and investing. Uh, people get guitar lessons, they get tennis lessons, but they're hesitant to get investing uh, education. I don't see why. I mean, I, I'm a former school teacher. Uh, I've taught uh, elementary school, high school, English. Uh, I've taught English at the college level. Don't worry, I'm not going to grade anybody on their grammar or spelling today, I promise. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I've seen the educational system, both the public and the private, and there's no financial education that I saw, not, not a proper one. And so people, and it's a shame. And people's uh, parents, unfortunately, usually don't know how to teach them about finance, investing, things like that. And it's not their fault, but th that's how it is. And so people have to get it where they can, get the education where they can, which is why I'm here, why Portfolio Wealth Global is here, and why Eddie's here to bring that. Because the mainstream media, if you listen to them, you're going to be buying high and selling low. You're going to buy into the hype. And so uh, by fading that, in other words, doing what the institutional investors do, which is uh, buy assets when they're undervalued, you can win at this game over time. Uh, so I, you know, I'm very proud to continue bringing education, even, even if I'm not teaching in schools anymore. I, I, I kind of am in a way. And, and so are you, Eddie. Uh, yeah, you're bringing the education of the people. You know, this is one career where I'm going to say probably less than 1% are born with the talent. And a lot of people think they know what they're doing. And it might look that way for a short period of time, but in the long run, they're going to be digging a hole. Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing mm -hmm. is, when you have the education, at least me, when I learned something, I mean, when I was on the trading floor, there really wasn't too much education. We had a library where if you can go get a book and read, all right, uh, YouTube was really nothing 30 years ago, 20 right. years ago, yeah. and it, you would learn on the spot. It would it would be a trial and error. And that's why I believe so much in failure, because I, I think you need to sort of get that taste in your mouth of a failure in a situation where if it comes up again, it's like, it's not going to get me this time. Yeah. All right. You know, it's probably one of the best things you can do is if you want to progress, you do need education. Yeah. Hugely important. One of the worst things that can happen to a beginner trader is to have uh, beginner's luck, is to have those first <laughs> couple of overzealous trades, over allocations turn out well and make a profit because then they become overconfident and that leads to disaster. There is an old saying that you're not a real trader until you blow up an account, but you know what? You don't have to blow up an account. 
uh, you can learn from others' mistakes, sure, and you can learn from people who've been in this game for a long time. You don't have to learn the hard way. Uh, so that comes back, circles around to having a mentor, having uh, people who, well, Eddie's been on the trading floor and he's been in this game for a while, a long time. Uh, I've been in this game for a long time. People who've seen bull and bear markets come and go and they've uh, survived and thrived through all of them. Uh, so that's that's a piece of advice right there. If you're going to follow somebody, make sure that they actually trade. First of all, they're not just not just sure. talking trash, but they actually are in the have some skin in the game. Uh, and also make sure they're a good teacher. Make sure there's somebody with uh, experience and who can connect with students because there are people out there who are great traders and great investors, but don't really know how to explain it too well. I mean, Warren Buffett, uh, he's, he hasn't written, a, he has not written a book explaining what he does. I don't know if he would be so good at that. Fortunately, he, he gives those uh, addresses to the public uh, where he gives some explanation of what he's thinking. Uh, but you want to find somebody who can hold your hand, so to speak, guide you through it, at least until you can start to think on your own and form your own opinions. Even then, it's good to have a guide by your side, as they say. You got that right. Yeah. Now, Dave, as we grow older, it's very important to know what we need as we get closer to retirement. Nobody's going to support us. You know, they say that Social Security is going to dry up. I mean, what are some things we need to think about as we grow and become wiser in our future. Oh, Eddie, are you suggesting that Social Security is not going to be there in a few years? Is that possible? <laughs> Definitely possible. Yeah, you know, right, <laughs> right there. I want to get Curly Howard going. Whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> Social Security, uh, other entitlement programs, uh, Medicare, Medicaid, pension plans. Uh, don't even get me started. How many states? are completely underfunded and unfunded with their uh, with their pension plans. Uh, so if you're counting on uh, that to be your safety net, don't count on it. Uh, as well as the promise that maybe if you're a little bit younger and you're thinking, well, I, I'm just going to work for this company for 40 years, and then at the end of it, they'll give me a gold watch and a, and a nice pension. It, that doesn't happen anymore. You have to think of yourself as an independent contractor, even if you're working for a huge company, even if you're under contract doesn't matter. Uh, any company can find a way to let you go and will find a way to let you go at any time. So the age of job security is gone. Uh, the age of safety nets is long gone. Unfortunately, I'm not trying to scare people, but maybe I am a little bit. And so regardless of whatever investments you choose to get into, make sure you're preparing yourself uh, and thinking of yourself as your own boss, uh, the boss of yourself in terms of being an independent contractor or freelancer, even if you're working for a company, and being your own boss in terms of your investments, because there are going to be big changes coming soon. I believe in uh, inflation, as we talked about, is just going to get worse because the Fed is not going to stop printing money and kicking the can down the road anytime soon. I don't see that happening. That's one of the Fed's jobs is to print money, and they're darn good at it. <laughs> uh, start educating yourself. Uh, we, we talked about knowing what you own and start doing the research now. And if you are getting closer to that retirement age, if retirement is even a possibility anymore, uh, you want to start thinking about alternative sources of income now. Yes, the stocks, but we talked about the real estate. We talked about private lending. Uh, if there's anything else you can do for income, start looking at your skills and start thinking like a freelancer and also become a little bit more risk off. Uh, the older you get, the more risk off you want to be in terms of your, of your allocations. You might want to consider less exposure to stocks and more into 
precious metals a little bit more into cash, but not too much because because of inflation, cash is going to become more and more devalued. Uh, but it depends on your needs and also how much capital you have and how much risk tolerance you can tolerate. Everybody's a little bit different in that way. But start preparing now. And again, the P word, preparation, that is the, I'd like that to be the key mm-hmm. theme of this podcast, if possible. <laughs> that's where I'm, that's what I'm thinking. Okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, you did mention something that maybe we should be scared. Maybe we should. Yeah pay more attention. Um, I I think it's a safe bet to say we really got to start looking at the situation because, you know, it's not like all of a sudden it just happened. Uh, They've been talking about this for a while. Note that. Duly note that uh, Mm -hmm. for those that are listening. Yes. All right. David, I want to say that uh, this is a very informative podcast. Uh, I hope our listeners and traders uh, can take something from this and uh, use it to their advantage. Yeah. Uh, But Right now, I've got the Eddie question for you. Ah, yes. All right. Go for it. All right. All right. The Eddie question. David, if Hollywood called you and wanted you to make a movie, what kind of movie would it be and who would star in it? You know who would star in it would be Warren Buffett. (laughs) All right. What what kind of movie is this going to be? This would be the the biopic of the year, of of the decade even, uh, because – He's kind of a rock star, but not as much as he should be. What an interesting story. I mean, he's a guy who is constantly in the top three richest people in America and the world. Um, And yet he lives so humbly compared to his wealth. Uh, Well, first of all, he gives away half of his wealth. But also he lives in the same home that he has lived in since the 1960s. And I mean, it's a bigger house than most of us have, but it's not a mansion by, by celebrity standards. And... He's the Oracle of Omaha. I mean, he just lives so reasonably, so humbly, and he's got this brain that doesn't get freaked out when markets go down, when there's a meltdown. You know, most people, when they buy something, when they buy a stock or a commodity, whatever, and it goes down 10, 20%, they freak out, they sell. But Warren Buffett said that uh, if you can't handle a 50% drawdown in your investments, you shouldn't be investing, or you're not ready for it, at least. So I'm paraphrasing a bit there. I added that to the end of it. But Man, what a story that hasn't been told. I mean, what do we see in movies about about Wall Street? Well, look at the movie Wall Street uh, with Michael Douglas, uh, and you know, greed is good, right? Uh, or or the right. wolf- completely wrong, completely wrong. Yeah, or or the Wolf of Wall Street, great movie. Leo DiCaprio did a great job, but it you know, he's a criminal. Uh, so. It, you know, look at the portrayals of Wall Street uh, in films. It doesn't have to be like that. Sure. And it doesn't have to be about right. Warren Buffett. It could be about, uh, you know, anybody who has done it the right way and ethically. And uh, But he's as good as an example as anybody. So I'd love to see that biopic. Sure. sure. You, know, you mentioned the Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, you know, a lot of people ask me, did, did, was it like that? Yeah. Was there, did, I mean, was you know what? <laughs> and I'll be honest. I'm, yeah. You know what? It was. It, it was. I mean, obviously, it's Hollywood, yeah, and it's amplified. But tone it down, maybe just uh, a couple notches, yeah, and that's where we were, and that's part of the business, I guess. I guess you can call it that. But mm, right. things have changed, and we've all grown up and learned our lesson. <laughs> but anyway, some of us, right? Yes, <laughs> some of us have exactly, exactly. David, I know that we've got a lot of people that want to know. Where is this PortfolioWealthGlobal.com? Well, obviously, that's a website, but mm-hmm. you've got a lot more other venues 
to get in contact. If you can, how can we find you online? Sure, absolutely. Well, I am on Twitter and stock tweets, uh, David Modell. M-O-A-D-E-L. Uh, there's one L and there's an A in there somewhere. Uh, and people can actually email me, davidmodell at gmail.com, and I'll, I'll refer them to uh, some resources that I've got. Um, and, of course, PortfolioWealthGlobal.com, the newsletter. Uh, people are, are welcome to uh, put in their email address, no obligation. We'll start sending that out on a regular basis, all of our research. Uh, we've got some amazing reports on there that people have profited from and protected themselves with. Uh, port- mm-hmm. uh, we've got uh, PortfolioWealthGlobal.com forward slash bear, B-E-A-R, and also forward slash crash, C-R-A-S-H. Those are two reports about how to prepare yourself for uh, what could happen in the markets uh, because you just never know. Uh, if people are into precious right. metals, there's uh, PortfolioWealthGlobal.com forward slash gold playbook, gold playbook, uh, where we inform people on how to get some of that leverage through the miners, uh, because gold and silver may not move enough for some people's tastes. I get that. Uh, and also how the bond market is toxic, PortfolioWealthGlobal.com forward slash bonds, B-O-N-D-S. Uh, I hope that no one listening to this right now is over allocated in bonds. If you are, please stop doing that. <laughs> there are much better sources of consistent income out there. Hey, don't forget about the free newsletter. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, that is on PortfolioWealthGlobal.com. You've got a lot of stuff on there. Um, I see no reason for anyone to at least not check out one of those. That's right. right. Great information. And David, you're a great guy. I uh, really appreciate you coming on here. Thank you. Eddie, I'm a huge fan. Such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, David. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. And we're back. You know... A lot of information and some exciting views David shared with us, Danny. Yeah, I must say some of what David talked about was some really valuable advice and that he had the data to back it up. You know, asking him about possible recession was one of the first things that I did ask him about. And, you know, it's a common question a lot of us are asking. And he broke it down very well with a lot of basis to back it up. It's a great question. His take on inflation getting worse is good for some. And bad for others. Uh, his reasons make a lot of sense. And this is something we all need to be thinking about and talking about. You know, another thing was uh, his take on precious metals. And uh, as I listened, you know, my eyes got wider and opened up even more. Uh, it made an impression on me on how silver and gold ratio is at a level that gauged and in turn can be utilized for a lot of these metal traders and investors. Yeah, you'd think gold would outperform silver, but his analysts and how other countries are purchasing large amounts of gold might be anticipating path to global instability. You know, one of the things I was really surprised about, his comment about silver being 66% cheaper than it was nearly 40 years ago. 40 years ago. Now, that's amazing data. That's a good piece of knowledge to know before you look to trade either gold or silver. I love silver myself. He did mention China being a big buyer of gold. You know, they've always been a big buyer of gold. And, you know, speaking of China, uh, his answer to my question on the tariff that Trump had said on China, it makes a lot of sense as far as how the market will react if and when there is an agreement. Yeah. 
Absolutely. His mention of market euphoria and stock market melt-up sheds some light on what to expect when the agreement is set in stone. Yeah, I must say, it was good stuff all the way around. Yeah, I enjoyed what he talked about. A lot of valuable information here. Well, Danny, you know what? Thanks for joining me here on this podcast. Always, Eddie, and thank you for having me. All right, traders, as always, thanks for spending time with us. And if you enjoyed this interview, please feel free to leave us a rating or review. It helps us reach new traders. So we will see you next time. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, Eddie. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Editing and post-production of this episode was done by Dante32. Futures and Forex trading contains substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.